laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Who huh? should have this person locked up and looked at? On this week's episode... Sometimes we'll stay a couple of weeks longer just to avoid that pain of being alone, you know? And that's... Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a place where a lot of... Uh, a lot of comedy can help you. I mean... That's true. That's yeah. true. Because that's somebody that you don't really have uh, intimate... You didn't ever have, like, a real real relationship so you can you can kind of mercilessly mm -hmm. pick them apart without yeah. really feeling bad right um, and i mean i i tend to you know like i said earlier i tend to kind of when i can punch out my own actions like the crazy yeah. things we'll do right. to not be alone like that's yeah all three of us are the type of comics that are doing that we're not making fun of them we're making fun of ourselves and for we're always the butt of the joke that's why we're so charming you can't laugh at that. You can find us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. We post full unedited videos of these episodes that you can't find on any podcasting platform. Pretty soon we're going to start doing uh, quick videos summing up these episodes that we've already done. And in the future, we're looking to bring in psychologists, humor experts, comedy club bookers for uh, little mini episodes that will be exclusive to our Patreon. So patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod, become a patron and benefit from all of these extra funnies. You can't laugh at that. Moved here a couple of months ago from Houston. I've been doing Postmates in my car. So, uh, you know, working from home, which is pretty convenient. <laughs> you know, I'm not complaining at all. Um, it's, <laughs> it's moving time, right? Everyone's who's moving. All right, but I mean, not like, are you moving away from New York, or are you just moving to like another part of New York? You oh, just moved to New York. Okay, from St. Louis. L.A. L.A., all right, on. Okay, yeah, so, but a lot of people are moving from New York to New York right now, right? Different parts of New York. Um, and I'm really just here to say, I'll help you move. <laughs> Good night. No, uh, I will. I'll help you. I'll help you move, you know. You don't got to pay me. You don't have to give me any pizza or beer. You just have to uh, promise to be my friend. Seems fair, right? Not on board anymore, huh? Okay, I hear you. Or maybe roommate, you know, it's no big deal. No, it's... You can't laugh at that. Welcome to the newest episode of You Can't Laugh At That, the podcast where we take topics that you can't laugh at, and we find ways to laugh at them in the never-ending quest to prove that anything can be funny. Dramatic pauses are a new thing that I'm working out here. Uh, today, our, well, as always, our co-host is young Steven Mers. Steve, how's it going up there in space? Hey, kids. <laughs> it's going good. Um, as you can see behind me, uh, we have... Uh, some footage from a uh, wide-angle lens. Thank you, Steve. And uh, joining us today, live from uh, Houston, Texas, is Antonio Aguilar. What's going on, man? Oh man, it's uh, it's great. It's just, it's just good. It's not great. <laughs> <laughs> of course, correction there. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. 
Um, I want to just dive right into that bit first and foremost. Um, mm. Really introduce who you are. I want to talk about comedy. Um, so you lived in New York, right? Yeah, I did the um, I did the try, but I was very ill prepared because um, I didn't really have any money saved up, and uh, I learned while I was there that you can't really become a part of the scene without having a lot of money saved up because you would have to work all the time and you can't work all the time and be part of the scene because, you know, it's like three, four hour wait to perform a lot of the time. And you'd have to have a lot of money to be able to just sit there and be able to drink with everyone and not be stressed out and just be happy to be at a plate, a bar for four hours every night. Yeah. It's just, it's wild. It's a, it's a totally different comedy experience than your. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah, it, it's it's a lot. It's like you have to be around more than other people. It's it's mm-hmm. different than uh, like in Cleveland. I feel like you know everyone's kind of around because it's just you know there's this mic. Everyone goes to these mic. This mic, and then there's this mic. Everyone goes to this mic. But mm-hmm. in New York, it's like oh, there's a hundred mics, and nobody's gonna tell you necessarily which one to go to. So you have to try one by one, and then it's just it takes so long to figure out a routine, which ones to go to, which ones not to go to, and it's hours of waiting and find yeah it's just everything that you hear about new york sucking as an unknown comic it's true oh yeah yeah you could be you could be huge in your scene and then you get to new york and you're just nobody right that's what i mean yeah everyone is on even even people who've been on tv are unknown if you're not like cool to the new york scene so like oh you've been on america's got talent so have so was this guy and that guy over there and this guy's been everyone's like been on something because that's where they get everyone from is new york and la so right you right. know especially I, been there. yeah i mean you got to put in the work and just be seen around and be good like yeah i mean i see people <laughs> commenting on facebook that like oh i know so and so that just moved to new york to try comedy and it's like what that's <laughs> sounds yeah well actually Actually, actually, I know it's going to be weird, but I think that would have been less painful for me because mm. I was ending up at a lot of mics where it was like 60 people who are in the, their first six, to, six months to a year. And they're all lo- they all love each other because they're mm. all in the same boat. And me, I'm just like overhearing people just saying absolute bullshit to each other. Like think they know what they're talking about. And I'm just <laughs> sitting there going nuts like... Oh, like, and they're all going up and doing bad, but like laughing at each other because none, none of them know what's good. And like, if it's 60 people who all are six months in, they're thinking like, well, if I laugh at them, they'll laugh at me. Let's all laugh at each other. It's like a cult. <laughs> I love hearing about this shit. You know? Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Um, and if you I go love- up and nobody knows who you are, they're like, what the fuck is this? And then you start like doing stand up. It's like, oh, you have something to say. You have a voice. You're like, you emote. You're not like looking through your notes and confused. You're just like, bang, bang, bang. They're like weirded out. They're like, why do you do it like that? Why don't you struggle like everyone else? <laughs> why do you know what you're doing? Fucking weird. I love hearing about these stories. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. were your, uh, what were, did you find, did you ever find it like mics there that you enjoyed? Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, did you ever get booked on like bar shows or anything out there? Yeah, I got booked on a bunch of um, uh, a bunch of well, not a. I mean, you know, I did like twenty some shows. Like, I was only I was there for six months. And I did like twenty twenty five shows the whole time. Not a lot. Um, 
but there were some that were like really good to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm glad I moved one set, and like, uh, but you know, you get like five shows a month, um, out there. It's not enough. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but no, mics were pretty, pretty much universally bad. There was one that was good, but I had to bring. You had to bring people to get on the mic. Mm. And they couldn't be other comics. And it's like, you're in Manhattan. You're trying to convince people that you barely know that well to drop everything and come to a, a mic. And you have to get like five people. Bringer mics, there were. Bringer mics. And That's people had to, and they had to buy drinks. Oh, man. Mission. I get that from a venue's perspective, but... It I was mean- packed. I, would, I went there without anybody because I'm like, oh, they'll just put me on. They were packed. Hmm. Packed with people who were buying drinks to watch a mic. It was, and they were all excited. It was a great crowd. It was fucking weird. A mic, though, jeez. Mm-hmm. And knowing how many comics are just like bomb out there or open micers that are out there, it's just like that. That hurts me to think about. But I mean, it was a good show. Well, I didn't. I didn't stay because they were like, "Yeah, you didn't bring enough people. Like, you're not getting up." But the thing is that when you have those types of crowds, it's they're gonna laugh because they're all there supporting their their person yeah and so like they're all like in a supportive mood you know like they know they're doing a favor for somebody so everybody's nice it's all people who are nice enough to give up their night to support someone that they don't even know is good so it's just a whole room of people excited like yeah we're gonna support our coworker or this person and it's just a bunch of people that are there like in support it's like a make a wish <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny way of looking at Plus it. Plus, it's not a contest. That helps. Yeah, it wasn't a contest. Contests are the worst. Oh, yeah. They ruined uh, comedy. Yes. So you, you picked the loneliness for the topic for this episode. And obviously, you know, that joke kind of brings that up. Uh, but in a way where you're like, you don't explicitly say that you're lonely. Like, where did that joke come from? Like, what made you decide, oh, this is something funny that I can joke about. Here's that joke. Yeah, I never said that again. I just did it. I mean, the Postmates part I said a few times, but the whole helping you move, like that was just that particular uh, show that I ever said that. Mm-hmm. And because it was like everyone, I noticed when I was driving around, everyone's moving, everyone's moving stuff. And um, and I was just like thinking about like how I would, I'm that desperate that I would help people move just so that I had friends then afterwards. So <laughs> I was just, it was kind of like uh, uh, an honest like slice of, how it feels to be in New York alone. Don't really, even if you know people, you're, it's, it doesn't, it, you don't fit into people's day to day. Like you, mm-hmm. I mean, no matter how good of friends you were like, to, it's so people have to be so busy out there. I mean, just, there's everyone has their, it's just so busy. Everything's busy. You don't want to be a burden on anyone. So you kind of have to make your own way. And so it was kind of like uh, acknowledging that kind of just, I mean, I didn't actually want to help anyone move. That would be kind of weird. But I had that like feeling just seeing people like, oh, it'd be nice to, I'd do it maybe. But you know, in reality, it wasn't that lonely. It was just like fleeting thought. Mm. Being a comic, there is a level of loneliness to that. Even if you have friends, like especially if it's people that are, if you have a lot of friends that aren't comics, like when I hang out with those friends, like I get a sense of loneliness because I feel like we're not like, People don't see that perspective. Do you find that uh, in a lot of cases? I used to. Um, I actually am happy about the pandemic because now I've realized how much of an annoying 
person I was to my friends at the, you know, pretty, pretty annoying to David too, huh? I just walked away from it. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, he just gets up and leaves. But, um, but, but uh, I, I noticed like when you are a comic and you have friends that aren't comics and you are different because of it, it's annoying to them. Cause they're like, it's like you have a problem. Yeah. It's like, why, why can't you just be present with us and have dinner and not be thinking about a show you should have had tonight or a mic you should be at or what's going on on, on social media or anything. It's like you, when you're a comic, especially when you're on, you're uh, an aspiring, you're, you're, you're not happy. I mean, most comics are not fulfilled, right? Most comics were, were, were frustrated. We, so that frustration it, it, it bleeds into our personal lives and we kind of just seem frustrated and we, we're not able to just be present with, with like a dinner. You can't just like be happy because you're not, you're, you're frustrated. You wish that you're, you wish it was happening for you as a comic and it's not. And it like bleeds into your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you gotta have that work-life balance. I mean, I, I mostly find myself like, I mean, maybe th- this is a personal thing, but, you know, I hang out with a lot of people who enjoy smoking weed and I can't when I'm around other people because my brain just instantly gets into like bit mode. So yeah. I'm trying to pick out pieces of the conversation like, oh, that could be a bit, that could be a bit. <laughs> and then everybody else in the room is like, dude, what are you doing? Like, we're not here for that. Yeah. That's- yeah. I've had, I've had family like, um, and it doesn't happen very often, but like I've had, even it was like a younger cousin, which was weird. It was like six year younger cousin of mine that. And when he's a little baby and he's just like, Tony, you don't always have to be funny. It's like straight up. It's like, I'm just like, God damn it, Frankie. You're six years young. I mean, he's like, you know, he's like yeah. a young, younger kid and he's like completely right. And I always do use it to like meet a bunch of new people. I'll be funny. They'll have to like me. Yeah. yeah. We are driven to, or we're drawn to people who are funny. I mean. Some people hate if you're trying to be funny, even if you are funny funny is different. No, but even if you are funny, especially, well, the thing is people who have like normal friends, a lot of time they're not, they're not funny themselves. So they don't get, they don't get a lot of jokes. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're, you're not funny. They're just like, Oh, none of us get that reference. And now we hate you. (laughs) (laughs) That's always a good, uh, that's always, (laughs) it's always a good relationship to have. You're like, what? You never seen Braveheart. Oh, I'm the asshole. Eight yeah. people in the room haven't seen Braveheart, so I'm an asshole. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can't you can't do that <laughs> like you can on stage when you're actually with other people. Yeah. Right? Try to do crowd crowd work your way out of a bombed joke at brunch. <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny at home. The waiter's, in my head. the waiter's not in, like the waiter gets it, but everyone that I'm trying to impress is like, yeah, you need to you need to find your own way home. Yeah, let's not invite him to brunch again. Oh yeah, no, that's happened yeah. uh, for poker for sure. I definitely didn't get invited back to poker. It was online po- Skype. Po- it was Zoom poker night. <laughs> that's another level. <laughs> Not being invited back to like a Zoom. Yeah, I mean, it might have been because I was making too many jokes. It also could have been because I won, and I wasn't really friends with them. I was just my cousin's cousin, and he was friends with everyone, and I did win. So maybe that'd be why they didn't invite me back. Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> I hope that's what it is, but I think it was probably they hated me. Yeah, the uh, the road less traveled is lonelier. That's for sure. For me, like 
I feel kind of a sense of loneliness when I'm talking to people, if they were talking about like politics or something, there's always like a, you have to take a side uh, for them. But for me as a comic, like I feel like I see things outside for just from a comedic mind. Cause I always dive into more like, what's, what are we really saying? Like, why are you saying that? Like, what does this mean? What's your upbringing? Like, and that's yeah. not a conversation people want to have. Like, I want to have the conversation on the, the, the psychology and the human behavioral aspects of it rather, rather than like red versus blue, you know? Do you ever find like that when people try to talk to you about something deep or not deep? Well, they want to talk to like surface level and you want to dive deeper. Like, how do you deal yeah, with that? I'm more like, I repel most people, I would say. Um, and that the people that think like me or are interested in my type of thinking, like gravitate. So like if I'm at a party and let's say there's 20 people there, I'll probably find two that are like really on my frequency and I'll just focus on them and we'll be the only people talking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or, or it might be a girl that usually it's like, you know, you, you just want, you're really trying to find a connection when is that? When it's a party, like, a, cause you can't really, we're so used to doing crowds for, for shows or comedy. So like performing and making everyone happy, but at a party, we really more, it's like our time to, Hey, can we actually like make a connection with someone? Can we meet somebody? Especially I'm single, but, uh, uh, I think a lot of people, parties are their place to perform. Mm-hmm. And for us, parties are our place to to make connections because we're 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 part we're we're performing on our day to day life already all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's a good point. Like, but it also can tie into being uh, on stage. I mean, I I say the most, you know, I say I've said this in pretty much every episode that one of the most important things you can do as a comic is make connection with the audience. And yeah, but it's also it's harder. Like, you can't do it the same way as you would on stage in an actual one-on-one setting like hey who's here who here's on a date <laughs> like you can't walk into a party like that right um but i mean you know same thing you know you just got to be able to to connect with people and telling jokes i mean if it's evident that you're telling jokes like if you're on stage telling jokes it's harder to make a connection than if you're having like a like a conversation with the audience i don't know if you find that like when do you find uh, a lack of connection um always i always find a lack of connection i find connection more rare is way more rare for me um Mm -hmm. and when i say connection i mean like when people sometimes just like when people just like like you because of like the way you are or the way you like act or think and you are just being yourself and they're like oh this guy is cool like um that's it's so rare but it happens and like when it does happen, it's like people like, oh, they they like me for being kind of weird. They like me for being kind of nervous, kind of shy, kind of fidgety. It's like, uh, so that's why I'll make like small, I'll make one-on-one or two people that I like really connect with. And it's probably because they're like me. They're also, you know, shy and you know, really trying to be social, but not, you know, more overthinking everything. And we'll talk about how we're analyzing the situation and how weird every, that person is being. And like, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm an alien at parties. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, me too. I was going to say, Steve, I was just going to tell, I I figured like you'd relate to that. If you ever go to a party, like people like, they just like, they tell you're weird, but they like it. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I don't really go to parties anymore for that reason, though, too, where I should say, because I'm just, I'm always like, I'm going to hate 95% of the people there. Just go to the party, sit, eat edibles, smoke, and someone will come to you and be like, you're, you're my guy. You're the yeah. guy I want to hang out with. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't try to force yourself into a situation. They might blow you even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like your tiny dick. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. I mean, did you have like did you have a roommate? Like what what was that? So I lived Airbnb to Airbnb. So like I would pay like five hundred dollars to sleep on somebody's couch for a month. And uh it was they were more used to people staying for a night. Mm-hmm. So there's this one room that I had a different roommate. Like every other day, I had a different per- other person in the room with me. And a lot of the time, they wanted to talk like at night, like you know, when like the lights are out. And like, so what brings you to New York? So I was having like these like I- nighttime interviews with these just <laughs> random people that's coming through, expecting me to be another like one like them. Oh, just coming through, right? And like, no, I've been here for two weeks. There's a gang outside. They, uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been filming them every morning when they beat somebody up. They'll be like, oh, wow, that's how bad it is here? I'm like, yeah, that's why it was 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, well, I'm an actor. I'm like, cool, man. <laughs> I live here for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you turned that into a bit? Um, actually, well, one of the people who stayed with me, it, it turned into a bit that went like viral on Reddit. And then three random kids from Staten Island came to my show in, the, on the, in Manhattan because they saw me on Reddit that day. So I felt pretty cool that one day. That was the only day. Uh, that was the first time I tried to move to New York. But um, yeah, I had a Muslim roommate who was just really, really like, he kept talking about how women need to be the like clean and cook and they need to like stop trying to be men and this stuff. And he was so Muslim, like <laughs> yeah. extremist. Very and, like, much the next a day, stereotype. Yeah, he was the he was the stereotype of, of Islam. And uh <laughs> and like the next day he was eating, it was Ramadan and he was eating in the kitchen. He was like, Man, I'm the worst Muslim. And like I thought in my head, I'm like, there's so worse Muslims than you yeah. just just because you're eating <laughs> just because yeah. you're eating during Ramadan. And I wrote that, I did that bit and like yeah. Yeah, that's why I one, eat that's so much I feel like I'm gonna explode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh. Exactly. Fun. Yeah, that's good. I should add that. <laughs> He's saying that with no self awareness at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's hard though. Yeah. yeah. When people yeah, don't yeah. realize they're being funny, and you're just there, like taking mental notes. It's like, yeah, go on, go on. Well, it's on. because it's because he's not being funny necessarily. He's being cringy, right? Mm-hmm. But from my perspective, it's funny because he doesn't know how dumb he sounds, mm-hmm. right? So like, if I laughed at him in that moment, he'd be like, what's so funny? I'm like, well, there's way worse Muslims than you. There's Osama bin Laden, dude. And he'd be like, well, what the fuck you bring up Osama bin Laden? I'm just trying to eat my... And I'd be like, it would have been weird. Most of the time, people don't know how funny they are from an outsider's perspective. So it's people with no self-awareness being idiots is funny. That's what I look for if somebody is shitty to me or something bad happens to me. It's like, oh, there's funny. It's a curse. Sure, but you know it makes for good comedy eventually, and so I don't know. Do you ever find that like, if someone's like coming to you with a problem about another person, do you ever are you just like oh, this is a fucking episode of a sitcom or like this is a bit like? 
It could be coming at me with a problem. Yeah. Um, my, my stepmom last week, she was mad because I didn't uh, do landscaping on this house because I'm just going to pay one of the Latino persuaded gentlemen in the, in, that li- like works all day to do it. And I just didn't get him to do it yet. But she was like going nuts. And she's Russian. Well, she's from Belarus. So um, it was one of the doors in this house has a code and, and it's, in my, it's in my Facebook Messenger somewhere. I didn't remember it. And she, out of her Russian anger and just like, she accused me of hiding someone in there. Like I was <laughs> hiding a, a person living in this room that, and that's why I didn't want to open it. And I was just that thinking in my Soviet, head. That is Soviet paranoia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was so, because they do know that I did, like I used to, like I'd bring girls sometimes and like uh, they have cameras on, the, on, the, on the, the front and back door of the house. So you can't go, they know exactly who's in the house at all times. They have it on their phones. They know. And huh. um and yeah, they for she was so mad that she was like accusing me of hiding somebody in a in a room. Uh, and yeah, like you said, Soviet. To me, it was I was laugh. I wanted to laugh, but <laughs> at the same time, I was yelling like, "I'll break the the door down." You fucking don't. You think I'm lying about that? Like, you, but it was right Ru- because she was Russian. She was even <laughs> saying it. You know, I'm Russian. She was even saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, sorry i just imagine if there's a locked door there's somebody being kept yeah someone being stowed away yeah it's because i closed the doors when they got there because because it was like not tidy it could be in the room so i'm like oh you close the door they don't you know it's it's clean inside it's like why did you close the doors somebody's in there you know i'm russian Ugh, you're being the worst russian <laughs> russian to judgment Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> you guys not might like that. I liked it. <laughs> that's what she was doing. Oh man! So that's your living situation now. Um, well, are you? I live in a three bedroom house that they own, free rent, and I and I'm so lazy I don't mow the lawn. So uh, they have a case, you know, to be mm-hmm. mad at me, but. There's people who do it for 40 bucks and I just haven't gotten them free yet. <laughs> yeah. And I have a lot of weeds and stuff and they're like, we'll do it all. And I'm making sure not to do a Mexican accent right then. But that's what they said. They will do it all for like 40 bucks. And I'm like, okay, when they're like, just keep coming asking us. We know one of these days we'll be able to do it. There they came <laughs> in Mexican accent right there. It's good though. <laughs> I mean, it's just, if that's how he sounds, then <laughs> you know you how they Unless you have a bad accent, like I, yeah, I'm. Oh, I hey, will do, do it. I will do it. <laughs> Slowpoke Rodriguez. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like. I mean, obviously, I, I'm a white dude, so I have no place to say this. But I like just if if you're doing an accent. I mean, we we already kind of as a white dude, you have no place to say anything if you really yeah. want to go there. So. Even if we're, even if I'm being like my girlfriend or my mom or my dad or like you, um, I, I do, I put different inflections on my voice, you know, just naturally. That's what humans yeah. do, you know, yeah. when we, whenever we be somebody else or like, in, you know, impersonate somebody else. It's fun. Yeah. It's, it's fun to do accents. And uh, yeah, I, I keep stopping myself from doing accents because I think that it'll be like, I just did a podcast with somebody who has an Arkansas, like a redneck accent. And I kind of like mocked it a little bit, making fun of like another redneck. And I like stopped myself. He's like, no, rednecks are going to be the last people that are ever going to get any type of defense. Like 
we're the ones that you can still make fun of. Even now, you can still make fun of rednecks. I would almost be distracted if if uh, if I knew somebody had an accent and you were like quoting them and you didn't do the accent. Yeah. So my mom was like, my mom was like, Steve, go to your room. (laughs) (laughs) And my dad was like, don't listen to her. (laughs) 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 Laughing. All right. So you lived, you went from Airbnb to Airbnb. Uh, Did you have a favorite like neighborhood that you lived in when you were in New York? Yeah. When I would live in my car, I would uh, park in Long Island City. There's a spot called Hunt's Point or no, Hunter's Point. Hunter's Point. Hunt's Point is uh, where prostitutes are in, in Southeast Bronx. But Hunter's Point is this new road that they like just built so there's no there's no uh, street regulations because it's so new that they haven't put them up yet mm-hmm. so people just park there and then they walk to the train and they just like live their life and then they come back and bring their car um but since i found this place i would just park there and i could see the whole skyline in new york and it was like in this park that was really peaceful and i would uh that was my favorite place honestly to uh, to, to to sleep because i was right in the middle of all like manhattan brooklyn queens i was right in the middle of all of them beautiful skyline skyline and uh yeah so when you uh when you talked about living in your car like the the line about living in your car that's straight honesty well i was really enjoying living in my car honestly um i yeah i'm a well so my dad has money that's why i have this house that is like his second house and he found out i was living in my car and like sent me money for uh, airbnb and that's what really ruined my my time in New York, honestly, because I the Airbnb that I found it was like in Sheepheads Bay, or it was in just these really far away Brooklyn neighborhoods that were like an hour drive away from where I was. But like I'm in New York City and I have a place. But when I was in my car, I was just right in the middle of everything, and then I had Planet Fitness where I would shower and then I'd work out and I come out like oh I'm in I'm in right in the heart of everything. I can do whatever I want, get shit done. And um, yeah, I should have stayed in my car. Honestly, I should have. I ruined it by going, trying to live in Jamaica, Queens, trying to live in Sheepside Bay, Brooklyn. And then I would just work, get tired of being in the city and like drive home. And then sometimes I wouldn't even go to the city. I'm like an hour and a half. Like I'll just work around here. And I was just delivering food all over Jamaica, Queens or delivering food all over uh, Brooklyn and not even doing the new york thing not even doing what i was there to do Mm. so live in your car kids it's really it's underrated it's not as bad as you think it really isn't if you're short enough (laughs) steve laughs no um and that's part of the comic struggle i feel like you hear that all the time you know this comic before they found success lived in his car just that honesty in the joke though like just being vulnerable i think um make connections with people because everybody's dealing with some level of of struggle or whether it be loneliness or financial or relationship and i mean how do you like how do you work that into your material like the reason i like to talk about it is because if it bugs me i like to i like to put it out there so like my credit score bugs me i want to write a joke about it and put it out there so that people are laughing about it It makes me feel like it's not as so so bad Mm. um so I do that with almost any type of emotional pain, any type of rejection. I'll find the funny. Like this girl, we were playing words with friends on our phones and I made a joke because she stopped 
I asked her on a date in a text and she didn't respond, but she kept playing her turn in words with friends. <laughs> so I was like, you know, more like words with let's just be friends, huh? Like that's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, like, you know, it, it, yeah, it was bugging me that she would do that. That's pretty fucking blatantly like in your face. Like I'm not interested. Um, and I, I put the joke on Facebook because we were Facebook friends. And mm-hmm. I put the joke on Facebook and she was the first person to like it. And she unfriended me immediately. Oh no. <laughs> That's a dick move. <laughs> for, uh, for who? For her. For her, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, just, just be like, no, it, it's cool. Let's just be words with friends. Like, let's just be, yeah. It got like a lot of likes. So yeah. Worth it. it absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. Yeah, I think I, I and, but I'm such a simp because I had such a crush on her mm-hmm. that I messaged her. I was like, hey, you know, if you're really mad about that joke, you know, it was just a joke. I didn't mean it. And like, she added me back, but like, <laughs> I didn't need to do that. I was never going to date her. Like, <laughs> like you know, like, she, but maybe, maybe she was also playing games with me. Who knows? She's married now. And I just <laughs> added her again because it's quarantine. That was pretty tumultuous. And she accepted. Uh-huh. And then I asked her how she was doing, and she read it, and she did not respond. <laughs> <laughs> so my theory is she likes, she thinks I'm funny, and she wants to read my statuses, but she doesn't want to have anything. And she's, well, she's married, so it would be kind of weird probably talking to this guy from six years ago that used to try to go out with her all the time. Uh, a relationship situation. You said something about your ex. Um... Which, I mean, I got so many. Yeah. Uh, earlier, I don't know. Did you, did you say you had an ex-wife? Oh, ex-wife. Yeah, I only got one. Okay. <laughs> uh, how, how have you uh, incorporated that? Because um, obviously, you know, you're, you're, you're still not together. Like, I mean, and it's not yeah. me. I don't want to talk about anything. But, um, you know, how do you, how do you incorporate that into your material? Like, how do you find ways to incorporate that pain in, uh, and, and flip it into I think that the, what it, it's unrelated, it's not relatable because I don't have any pain when it comes to my ex-wife. Okay. Um, we broke up 2012 and like, it's, it's probably, it's, it's, if I brought it up, I think it would be more unrelatable because people would be like, well, you don't care at all. I'm like, no, I mean, we're friendly for sure. I have absolutely no feelings for her like that anymore. Um, and people would probably be like weirded out by it. I think because it's like everyone usually you miss your exes, all of them, but it's like sometimes it's been so long. We're, fr- I mean, we, we're friendly. We're f- like, we're, I think we're borderline friends, to be honest. Play words with friends. We don't. Maybe we should start. <laughs> but yeah, I have, it's, I have so many. Okay. So I have like, you know, with all the dates and the flings and the crushes and the actual girlfriends since my ex wife, there's a lot of pain in there that's more fresh um you know so i would i talk about that stuff a lot more than than with her because her with her it was uh it was a while ago and the reason that we broke up was so my decision she decided that she didn't want to move to the united states anymore because that was the plan and then you know find the date comes you know i was like it was a year in the works of me having to save the money up go do the interviews get the papers ready everything get the you know 
then the day, you know, cold feet the day of, you know, buying the plane ticket mm. because mm. she didn't want to leave her mom by herself, which 100% get that, but could have told me in the first place when we got married because that was always the plan. Yeah. And I was not going to give up stand up, everything I was doing, living in America. Kidding me? Come on. I love living in America. To live in a third world country, they're struggling. Peru? No. Yeah, is that where you're coming from? That's where she lives. Hmm. Yeah. I'm a Wisconsin boy. Okay, yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, she didn't want to leave her mom alone. Like, that's, again, like, we, we spend so much time avoiding, trying to avoid loneliness and to be able to turn something that we, like, run from into humor, I think, can help cope. You know, do you find that? Yeah, I know everything, every, like every pain, uh, all, all actual, like current pain, I, I, I want to make a joke about. And now I make memes about them that mm-hmm. are indirect about people who see them. And like, you know, they like them. And I'm like, do you know, this is literally me shitting on your lifestyle right now. But uh, usually out of jealousy or something. I made these memes with uh, Disney princesses. And then uh, their partner is trying to convince them to start OnlyFans. <laughs> so it's like Prince Eric and Ariel. And Prince Eric's like, you should start the OnlyFans. I think you can make us a lot of money. <laughs> and like Beast to Belle, like, you should start the OnlyFans. You can make us a lot of money. And it's because I know this girl who her husband, like that I was. So this girl who's married that I had a crush on. I didn't know she was married for the beginning of the crush. But we were talking every day all the time. And her husband convinced her to start OnlyFans because, well, I got her to, so I'm an Instagram, I'm an Instagram promoter mm-hmm. for, uh, during quarantine. I learned that I can do this for a living. And so I grow accounts of certain women who like only have 5,000 followers. And I'm like, oh, the way your body looks, you could have like 200,000 followers. And then I have all these connections in that world. So I got this girl from 8,000 followers to 200,000 followers, right? And so she went from a nice Christian married girl who was just like flattered that I shared her picture one time. Now she is making $20,000 a month on OnlyFans. And her husband is basically like the person who convinced, encouraged her the most to do it. And I was always like, don't do that. You're, you're, you're a Christian. You have, you have a degree. You have two jobs. You have so much like, you don't need to do that. You don't need to. And it just... She succumbed because of the money. And uh, so that's all that frustration, me knowing he's not good for you. He's ruining your life. The church has disbanded. Like, the church has kicked both of you out. You're hiding from your parents. You're, you're, you've blocked your whole country so that they can't find it because you're ashamed of yourself. All this stuff. I make a meme, Disney princess meme, and I share it. <laughs> and that's my way of dealing with all that it's been a weird. It's been a weird quarantine for old boy over here, man. Tell yeah, you. sounds like an adventure. <laughs> yeah, still going on, ongoing. But I found it. I mean, I met a new girl that because I I don't have actually like emotional feelings for anyone who has an OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. You know, you might fall for somebody as a you know them. Oh, this nice girl. She's innocent and everything. And then when you you see her turn into basically, I don't want to say whore. I won't say whore. But 
It's 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 uh horror adjacent. It's <laughs> <laughs> much better. And when you would you notice that huh. you probably had something to do with it because you grew their their account so big and then they they're able to just cash in on that. It's uh so I don't have any so it was a relief in a way. It was a relief because I'm like, "Oh, I all emotional actual emotional feelings for her." Like music she doesn't make music sound good like she used to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when you like someone it's like, "Oh, Coldplay sounds good." Because of this girl. I don't think about Coldplay anymore when I see her almost absolutely like naked. She's been on it for 3 days. Last week she's like I'll never get naked on OnlyFans. It'll just be bikinis. Like 3 days in, it's like she is there is a thread between her and nudity. Like a literal thre- <laughs> a literal thread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in 3 days. So it's like it's weird right now. So cuz I'm emotionally over her, but I'm physically like addicted to her. Because I know her. It was lost anyway from the beginning. Mm-hmm. To be honest, so now it's like, it's weird because I'm like emotionally over her. I met somebody else that I'm talking to that I really like. That's good for me. She's a therapist. Who knew I needed a therapist girlfriend? Like <laughs> she's like, she's like building me up all the time. And like, you deserve, you deserve healthy, strong, you know, person who cares about you, knows you. I'm like, she's saying all the right things, all this stuff. But I'm addicted still to this other girl who is neglected by her husband, who still talks to me all the time because she needs attention because she's not, not getting it. I'm, it's, it's, that's the shit that I'm writing about right now because yeah. that's this mess I'm in, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like in past relationships, you know, when they end, you know, you have that emotional connection, like that emotional addiction. It's almost like uh, like a withdrawal from, you know, like alcohol or, or drugs after not taking them and uh, yeah. the things that we do because of that, like as a result, you know, obviously we're not thinking as clearly. Um, do you ever find that as like, that's the angle that I take. I feel like a lot of times when I'm writing jokes about, you know, the, the, the pain that I've experienced. Yeah. I'm not thinking clearly because I'm so clouded by it. And, and so the things that I do because I'm not thinking clearly are now funny to me. Whereas at the, in the, in the moment it's like, <laughs> only thing i can think of like do you have any like examples of that um well meeting this new girl i was wearing a mask at this party after that show mm. and i was the only one wearing a mask and the reason i was wearing a mask is because i was trying to impress the married girl because she always makes if i ever have a picture where i'm somewhere i did it like once or twice and then a mask on and she just like like just like uh five messages about why I need to always wear a mask, like, like super like that, like chastising me for not wearing it. <laughs> so, uh, well, you should wear clothes. <laughs> this was before that. This was month. This was months ago. This is back when, yeah. Yeah. She just started three days ago. She just started. I'll get you guys a link in a bit. Uh, no, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy DM to me and he was like, what's the link? <laughs> yeah. yeah Jeremy, uh, she might be Jeremy's type. Um, <laughs> It's so expensive too, and people are paying. It's crazy. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I had the mask on, and this this girl was talking to me about my set, and like, she's like, you know, she's like, it's cool you're wearing a mask, because I was the only one in the whole place, and I brought up why I was wearing it because I'm 
always want to talk about this girl. And, uh, and she thought it was hilarious that I was even going after this girl. This girl lives in Panama. She doesn't even live in the United States. And, and she's married. And she was just like, she was making me, she was like, okay, now tell me your whole situation and look at me in the eyes and say that it's healthy. Like, she's like, tell me your whole, what you're going through and say, is this, is this good for you? Is this what a person that's okay would be doing? And um, like, she, she got me to laugh at it myself that I was doing that. And, uh, and she kept telling me like, you deserve more. And like kind of staring in my eyes and then kind of went, led to like three hours of talking to her. And uh, yeah, I don't know, I feel like she, I feel like she, uh, she, she, she psycho, psychoanalyzed me into like uh, deciding that she's who I should be with. Kind of how it felt, but I liked it. Cause I'm like, this girl's smart. I like being manipulated by a smart woman. I can, I can dig it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel that for sure. And then the hour was up and uh, <laughs> I make appointments. We don't have dates. We have appointments. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because uh, she was so busy after. Um, so uh, like the next day, like, well, okay. Am I talking too much about this? This is lo- hey, loneliness. This is, this is in, this is in. No, this is fine. On topic. Okay. So. I mean, you know, it's part of loneliness. I mean, you have to have a yeah. relationship uh, the, to feel lonely. Like you have. So, to- so yeah, we hung out the whole night. Like it was a party, but like it was just me and her. Like we were ignoring basically everyone else. Um, and uh, I was telling her because she was being so complimenting. She want I me. Mean, she would listen to my music, and she was telling me all these things like you're so funny, you're so this, your accent so cute, all these you know. And I was telling her after all of it, I'm like, you need to stop this because we're not gonna see each other again, and. I can't deal with this right now. This you being this giving me this much attention, being this nice to me, clearly like is not gonna be healthy for me for you to do that to me. So I'm like, you need to stop it. And she just like grabbed my phone, she put her number in, and she's like, let's start off as friends and let's see where it goes. So I'm like, yeah, well, message t- taken. And uh when I got home, I texted her, you know, the whole, like, hope you got home safe because she was super high that night. She ro- I don't know how many blunts she rolled. It seemed like she was always rolling a blunt. It was really sexy. <laughs> um, <laughs> My kind of girl. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, she messaged me the next day, like, really long message about how, again, I need to get over this other girl. I need to be with somebody who's willing to do anything to be with me and all that stuff. And... Uh, well, so I'm getting all these signals that she likes me, you know? Uh, so I would respond and she'd send me like a bunch of questions. I want to know all about me, where I'm from, how long I've been here, how old I am, all the interview. Someone you like or are getting to like the interview questions, you know, you don't ask people that shit. You don't care <laughs> if it's not someone you're going to date. You don't give a shit about all the, where'd you go to school? Who fucking cares? Honestly. But um, but she would take so long in between texting me. So she'd text me. I would text her back in like 10 minutes because I am a comic out of work. I don't have anything to do. I text her back. And she'd go like a whole day without, message, without me- texting me back. So in the beginning of talking to a girl, you know how it feels like you're in the ghosting stage still? Like I could totally just get ghosted right now. And I told her not to, not to like... <laughs> I literally told her, don't do this to me. (laughs) 
So it was like every day, I'm like, God damn, it's been a whole day. And then she'll send me like four texts about how busy she is at work, saving the city, basically, at a mental health place, talking to all these families about all their problems and shit. And here I'm, my biggest problem is she's not texting me back. <laughs> she's, people are, are like starving. Yeah. Kids are struggling. Me, my, my therapist won't text me back. <laughs> you know, it's been a whole day. I'm bothering all my friends. They all know I'm like miserable because of it. Ding, it pops up. And then I'm like, everything's back. It's, it's, had, it's happened three days in a row. Just one time she went two days without texting me. You know how, much, how that feels? <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm friends with her best friend who told me she likes me. Mm. And yeah. told me to pursue her. And then two days, no text. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, women, you can't trust women. But then she texts me back. If only I'm just, a, fucking, I'm just a psycho. <laughs> I'm just a fucking psycho. Yeah. Or am I? Two days, Steve. Two days is too long, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just started talking to a girl like in the last three yes. days, and I've only texted her once every day. And I'm like, but I am like, kind of busy, unusually busy for this. So I am, but I am feeling nervous about the fact that I'm not texting her enough. Well, so it's weird. But yeah, well, not that uh, I should be a lot, but are, are they like long texts or just like short texts? Um, media, I mean like a paragraph, but it's also like reassuring them. Like I'm not like ignoring them. I'm just uh, a little busy. And well, that's, I try well, that's to put weird. thought into what I text. So sometimes I'm not able to sit there long enough to just think of something I'm happy with texting to them. And then, I don't know, I'm just like yeah, scatterbrained. It's like a one sentence text that's taken me an entire day to come up with. Well, yeah, no, but. It sounds like Steven's the hot one in this situation. Uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> I am not the hot one in this situation, right? I'm going based on, based on my set. I'm really riding the set into <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to ride the set into this, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, she's like a soror- she's like a sorority type of girl, like you know what I mean, that type of looking. Oh, the amount of overthinking that we do, yo, right? Just like these imagined realities that like don't even exist, but yeah, I, I think that's what it is because her Instagram bio says professional overthinker. Uh. Dude, uh, 100%. And I'm a fucking overthinker. Uh, clearly, I'm an overthinker. Meanwhile, she's at, at home, like, typing up a text to you, taking, like, hours to think about what she <laughs> wants to say. And I then know. She it and it's like, nah, maybe later. Overthinking and I, and I'm taking causes it, like, she's me paralysis. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> There's yes. a million reasons yeah. not to do something. Right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... uh. Right. But that's the thing. That's the thing too, though. Like I do overthink. Absolutely. And, uh, when you don't have trust built yet with somebody that you like, it's pretty, pretty rough. Cause, uh, you're going to overthink and you're gonna have all these doubts. So yeah, staying busy is really the only way to, to alleviate it. And, uh, I'm busy right now, this podcast, and I'm talking to you guys about it, but it is loneliness, so hey, and um, at least I have a internet comedy festival to look forward to tonight, Just drinking my beer right now. You're drinking coffee? I'm drinking beer, 
in the middle of the day. All right. I've, yeah, I just bought some beer last night for later today. Um, but I mean, this all, even though we're, we're talking about, you know, the beginning stages of a, of a relationship, like mm-hmm. still, the, the amount of overthinking that we do, and that is uh, to combat the, the potential like loneliness, you know? Right. Like, I don't want to be alone anymore. So I'm going to like make sure I say the exact perfect word, the exact perfect thing at the exact time that it needs to be said. It's it's like, you know, if you think about like overthinking when you're on stage, it, it'll ruin a set <laughs> if you if you do it too much, you know, like, oh, why didn't they laugh at that joke? Rather right. than overthinking it, you know, you've got to kind of move on and do what's natural and like just kind of be into the moment rather than <laughs> get out of, you know, get into your own head. Yeah, it's so much, man. So much. Mm-hmm. It's so much because she knows about this other girl. So I'm like... I can't take a day off of texting her because she's going to be like, oh, he's back talking to this other girl, I bet, which I am. But not because I want to be with her, just because she is going through it right now and she needs someone to talk to because she's her life is spiraling out of control. But uh, but so I'm thinking like, oh, I, I want to be cool and take a long time to text back because I do have shit to do. I have podcasts to edit. I have a mixtape to finish that I like, have been making all quarantine. Like I have shit to do. I, yeah, oh, for sure. But if I just text her back, if I don't text her back for a while, I'm wondering if she's thinking, oh, he's talking to the other girl that he talked to me about for an hour the other night. So I have all this shit going on in my head that you don't really, I don't know if I need to be having all this shit in my head, but. Right. She's just like cleaning her house or something. She's a professional <laughs> overthinker, man. Well, I also know that her best, I'm friends with her best friend. So like, I know that she, yeah, she's probably going through the same shit. I'm kind of in a way. I think that's why she's taking so long. Because the first, the first paragraph is like a long apology <laughs> every time <laughs> from her. Yeah, for taking. <laughs> but, for, but she probably took her hours to like <laughs> whittle down to exactly what she wants to say, exactly how she wants to say it. That's the way I'm texting her too. Like lo- like a long text that I edit that I edit and I go back. I'm like, all right, don't need that sentence. How many emojis did she use? Six. All right, I need to. Eight is the most I can. Eight's the most I can I can send if she only used six emojis. I'm the guy in this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh, I, I need a I need a better tag than that. After the, <laughs> you know, it's a long text. You got six emojis and they're spread out one by one. It's not like all in one. It's like okay, there's a smiley up there. Then it's like two paragraphs. And now we have a, a fucking a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> in four paragraph text. The kiss is all I see. And I had to, in my four paragraphs, I put in a hug because I don't want to do a kiss back. I feel like that's too much. I'm assuming that it's on the cheek as a gentleman. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you do like a mirror image of that emoji, like you're kissing both cheeks like you're in Europe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, by the way, I'm French. We kiss everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you cross the line. Loneliness doesn't, even, doesn't have to do with being alone. Like there's a difference. Um, I mean, I think mm-hmm. you know, human behavior is centered around uh, avoiding pain and trying to figure out how to like achieve pleasure. Yeah, every day, everything we do is is that that constant like tug of war. Um, so you know, to me, loneliness and being alone are, are two totally different things. Like right now, I my my girlfriend just left for work. Like I'm alone now. You know, I have no problem being by myself. Good for you, David. <laughs> and I said that that was that was you like, uh, you're like yeah. my girlfriend just uh, my girlfriend I who, who I have who I live with she left to work 
I'm alone too, Antonio. Why don't you kiss <laughs> me like that, David? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, we're just, I'm just waiting for that moment. All right. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I spent I spend more time out of relationships than I do in. I'm not one of those people that like serially like gets out of a relationship and immediately moves on to somebody. Like I take a lot of time to to cope with the pain and like figure yeah. it out and get down on myself. And then once I start like joking about it is when I can like, when I've given myself permission to move on. So, you know, I, it, I mean, I spend like four or five years between relationships. So yeah, that's where I'm at about, yeah. oh, well, a serious relationships, you know, yeah. I got, oh, yeah. you know, you date for a few weeks and then. Yeah. Those don't count. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We play. Yeah. Sometimes we'll stay a couple of weeks longer just to avoid that pain of being alone, you know. And that's oh yeah. I mean, that's a place where a lot of uh, a lot of comedy can come from. I mean, that's true. That's yeah. true. Because that's somebody that you don't really have uh, intimate. You didn't ever have like a real real relationship, so you can you can kind of mercilessly mm-hmm. pick them apart without yeah. really feeling bad. Right. Um, and I mean, I, I tend to you know, like I said earlier, I tend to kind of when I can I don't do that. my own actions, like the crazy yeah. things we'll do right. to not be alone. Like that's a whole yeah. All three of us are the type of comics that are doing that. We're not making fun of them. We're making fun of ourselves. And for we're always the butt of the joke. That's why we're so charming. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's because you use that voice in conversation. So that, yeah. No, that look. That look is really what it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, humans are scared of being alone, so we make that loneliness funny. I mean, that's you know, you have to, and being, you know, being on the road too. Like you did it. You you've done a lot of work on the road, Antonio. Kind of. How do you? Uh, I dated a girl in Cleveland. Yeah. If you remember when I was in Cleveland for a while, and everyone's like, "Do you live here?" Oh yeah. I was mm-hmm. living. Yeah, because you were Walmart, in a Walmart parking lot because I met a girl. Nah, thought I'd settle down here. But she didn't know I was living in my car. I, don't, I, still, I still don't think she knows. But I never had anywhere to take her. So we would just hook up in my car and she'd be like, why are we always in your car? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's why I was living in Cleveland. I lived in Oklahoma City for two months for a girl. Mm. Good thing she actually let me live with her. That was nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It was weird when I was on the road. I would get into these month-long, two-month relationships, or this girl was like a month. I'd be like, "Do you live here now?" I'm like, "We'll see. We'll see <laughs> how it goes." Cards right, right. So you would spend like a few weeks at a time in in different places. Yeah. Or would you just come in for a night and be like, "Oh, I like this person. I'm gonna see what happens." Um. Well, like it. I also had gigs booked around Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So it, it was like, a, it was a, because I had gigs booked, I was actually like kind of pers- looking through Bumble. Otherwise I wouldn't really have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I had like a, I had like a month of gigs all around the Cleveland area. So I'm like, all right, maybe I'll meet somebody, try to meet somebody. And I did. And then it was like, oh, well, now I'm like trying to book more gigs in Cleveland as opposed to just doing the ones that I had and then moving on. I was like starting to try to get on shows. And I was starting to like, be like, I do live here now. Do I have to get a place to, like to live? 
usually that's the first step. Not meeting a girl isn't the first step. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I guess for for road comics, that's what it is. Because you because girls let you live with them because they, yeah. they if they think you're talented, they think it's like oh, lottery ticket on my end. Let's let this guy see what happens. Comedy Central. We'll see. <laughs> that's funny. I mean. You have like a hunter gatherer kind of lifestyle, like a like a nomadic kind of, which is, I mean, I've been doing a lot of reading on that lately. So it's like it's a very <laughs> natural way of of human behavior. Like we're meant to explore. Like we're not meant to settle down. It's, right, goes against our human our, our human nature. So would you rather be traveling around versus staying in one place? So. In that time, I was happy um, with or without a girl mm-hmm. because of how many shows I was doing. I was making a living just doing stand-up. I was very happy with or without. So even though I did like the girl I was dating, when I said something that offended her and then she decided to end things, I was not like devastated. I was like, well, I mean, I got a gig in Detroit next week anyways, so... Steve, you kind of like what, what ended our relationship. It was so simple. She said that she didn't like philosophy. She liked sociology more. <laughs> and I was like, you don't sound like you know what philosophy is because philosophy is actually just like, sociology is just a branch of, like, it's a part of, like, philosophy. You don't get philosophy. Like, it's, 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 it encompasses, philosophy encompasses everything. It's, it's knowledge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the fact that I said, I don't think she knows what she's talking about. That that was the end. That was the end. Yeah, um, yeah. Jeez. Just that. Yeah. Doesn't well, sound like you're much of a sociologist or what was just... <laughs> He's a social worker. Yeah. Mm. Another therapist. You should find a philosophy worker. Not a philosophy worker, yeah. <laughs> People could use one of those though, that's for sure. You know what? They do they they can. People don't talk about philosophy in their usually in their therapy. They're just talking about like day to day, like what the stress is. But like, what about the actual like why are we here? Yeah. Question. Yeah. Nobody sits, sits you down and think about that. If God exists, shit like that. It's like that, yeah. that's something that will engage your brain in new ways. You know, in a lot of cases, I mean, you know, the the neurological side of things like depression and. You know, what happens in your brain when you're lonely, like a lot of that can be answered through just engaging yourself and like fight, like finding new neural pathways to engage and like just through different conversations and, and coming up with ideas, you know, I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. And you know, reading philosophy can help a lot with that. Sure. Um, I've been getting into stoicism. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know a ton about it. It's, it's, yeah, it's like about how you can't change anything that no events are in your control. It's just how you perceive them. And it's only your thoughts that create all the emotions in your, and you have nothing to do with what happens. It's just your decision, how to respond in your, or how to think about those things that happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all in your head. All, everything's in your head. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to happen. is going to happen anyway. So you can't sit around trying to change it. You just have to accept it, which is not what I'm doing. You got to go back to that YouTube page and put it on loop. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. called brainwashing. 
yeah <laughs> apparently nietzsche hated hated the, this whole uh, philosophy um because it's like turning yourself into this like robot that doesn't have feelings um right i've been learning a lot about free will and like how it it doesn't necessarily exist uh but it's like one of those things where yeah i don't know we could we could sit here and unpack it all day but um like between i've been listening to between like michio kaku and uh sam harris is both their takes on it yeah and and one saying that you know like uh like quantum quantum mechanics dictates that there is some level of free or i should say nothing is predetermined but uh that doesn't really address the fact that everything you do is based on your memory and your environment and not something that you choose you know what i mean it's like very confusing um but it sounds you know. a lot more practical than just like how stoicism is just like black or white everything's like this or like that and it sounds yeah. like these guys are trying to like actually find the answer because it's not it might be comforting to be like oh everything's just you have no control but in reality it's gray and so it sounds like these guys are trying to find the actual true compri- compromised way instead of yeah. just like yeah one or the other so it's going to be hard to kind of uh you have to like read probably read their their work yeah i feel like the idea of being fortunate is the is the closest thing to free will because if you're fortunate, then you know that you can make an make an effort to improve your life or whatever the purpose is. But that's only, you know, that could be perceived as just you being lucky enough to, like, think that. Or, like, you know what I mean? Hmm. Like, it's kind of weird. And obviously, I'm not explaining it very well. And it's open-ended. I'm not here to, like, say that this is true or not, obviously. But uh, it's one of those things that you think about where you're like, do I have control over my life? Well, at least I think I do. And I, I like knowing that I can at least that I want to try. So at least, you know, if at the very least I'm very lucky, if right. I'm not in control, I, at least I'm in a good trajectory. You know, well, you were born so. with enough, uh, ups to, uh, I mean, there's people who they, they don't have these thoughts because they weren't lucky in a way you could, right. you could say, Oh, you weren't lucky to be born with, an intellect that makes you think these things or right. you could look at it like oh you are lucky that you were born without an intellect to care about these things and you can just right. have a, 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 a more simpler existence and the ignorance is bliss kind of a thing yeah 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 and, and upbringing has a lot i mean like you were saying has a lot to do with it like you know you can look at the events that occur that we have no control over uh, from a sto- stoic uh, standpoint and you know it is our thoughts and our uh, perspectives of these things that determine what happened next. But if you don't know that, like if you live, you know, let's say you you were born in poverty, you don't see that option. You just see these events just keep happening to you, keep happening to you, and uh, it's harder to realize that oh, it's my response to these events that determine what happens next. If you've never seen that, like, or if you've never you know known anything to be different. Well, like uh, yeah. the only way to the only way to polish a gem is friction. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the stoicism quotes. I just regurgitated from the YouTube video I watched. Yeah, I mean that's all that's all we're doing. That's all people do is we just regurgitate what we've heard <laughs> throughout all of human history. We're just regurgitating. Here's another one. It says uh, that one original thought is worth a thousand uh, quotes or something like that, or like a ten thousand quotes or something like that. Oh. That sounds like a Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, <laughs> Like one, one piece of content is worth 1000 pieces of content. 
He was Socrates. That bitch. Which Gary V is the modern day Socrates. <laughs> Gary V. <laughs> Are you familiar? Office space. Vaynerchuk. Uh, you no, know, Gary Vaynerchuk. Oh, okay. He's like a social media influencer. Slash um, billionaire. Too soon. Uh, going back to you know the difference between loneliness and being lonely. Like you can be with somebody and be lonely, too. You know. Like you of course. Can- of course. There's nothing more lonely than being with someone you don't want to be with, thinking about somebody else. Mm. that's that's like the worst kind of pain Just uh no, yeah that. well i think the worst would be finding out that someone else has been thinking about someone else when they were to you i think yeah. that would be that would probably be that would suck more i think it's probably uh waterboarding or like some other form of torture <laughs> that's my opinion though there's this cartel video i watched um no okay i'm not gonna yeah <laughs> Or there's water worlding. That's where you clamp people's eyes open, like in uh, Clockwork Orange, and make them watch Waterworld on VHS. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> and like the tape needs track, like needs tracking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, makes for, it better. Yeah, yeah, it's on VHS. Yeah, for, that's yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> that's that's not. There's nothing more lonely than watching Waterworld over and over again. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, and no one's getting waterboarded and thinking, oh, man, I need somebody. Like, <laughs> you get a breather when you rewind it. Yeah. <laughs> waterboarded while watching Waterworld. It's, yeah. it's actually better backwards times seven speed. Yeah. <laughs> Do they find land at the end? I forget. Yes. Okay. So it goes, <laughs> it's just a bunch the of. The map people. was on the back of the girl, remember? Oh yeah, it's been a while. Tattooed. That shit was on USA Network. Like Backdraft and Waterworld were always on USA or TNT on Saturday afternoons. Yeah, there's a you cigarette know, shortage. And like the mummy, eventually. You know, Waterworld was uh, like the worst planned movie as far financially. Mm-hmm. It lost so much money. Yeah, Ugh. they filmed it all like and in like an actual like in the ocean or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh, costly. Yeah, CGI wasn't uh, wasn't a thing. They just missed the CGI. That would have saved them. Who knows how much money? But yeah. Oh my god. Would you watch a remake of Waterworld now? Fuck yeah. I think they'd make it good now. Yeah. 1995 wasn't the uh, the best time for. CGI. It wasn't a bad idea for a movie. It was just like a bad movie executed. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Costner isn't exactly like. <laughs> he puts the cost in Costner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah they got pretty high budget with him that was probably his last starring role one of he took all the money that he earned from stealing from the rich and giving to that movie <laughs> and then he was Robin that was a great son- soundtrack <laughs> I don't remember it wasn't yeah Morgan Freeman was in that wasn't he yeah 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 in which one um, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves Oh yeah, he was. Damn, that was a dark ass movie. What else was he in? I think I saw it in the theater because my parents would just take me to movies that I was I was too young to go to. But then I had Brian Adams in my head as like a three year old. <laughs> Men in Tights was great. <laughs> Hell yeah, Dave Chappelle. Yeah, dude. First time I ever saw Dave Chappelle. Hey, great. Blinken. <laughs> hey, Abraham Lincoln? No, hey, Blinken. 
<laughs> that was my favorite. I still remember that joke. It's so good. Yeah. Mel Brooks can't Mel go wrong. Man, oh, yeah. Brooks. I wanted to make one more movie before he goes. Right. Yeah, please. But uh, doesn't Spaceballs like 2. It's not happening. Kevin Costner, 1997, The Postman, which is. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was even worse than that was way. I, mean, I didn't see that one. That's how bad that one was. These other ones that I see, like I mean, using Draft Day, that that movie about the Browns actually like doing something. I mean, then, then again, they didn't show what happened after the draft. They just showed that they picked a certain player. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but no, no more uh, leading man. No more Tin Cup. No, that was that might. What year was that? Ninety six. So that was they were probably shooting it before Waterworld bombed. <laughs> yeah, we can't replace him halfway through. Yeah, wow. Clark Kent's dad in that, uh, he wasn't the leading man then. In man- <laughs> <laughs> what if he was, and that was the character that they chose to be the star of the movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, movie's, that's, this one's not about Superman, it's about his dad, the farmer. Right. <laughs> Spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> Superman just does a cameo. It's like, bring Superman back. No, yeah. that's just he's just in for one scene, he's out. Wouldn't Tom even and- surprise me these days. Right. You know, because they're doing movies like that anyways. It would be uh, the new mayor that took over Smallville is uh, has corporate interests and they want to take his farm. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my God. Well, these might be ideas for movies, guys, given away for free. Yeah. I, only gonna saw, do... I was going to say, I only saw Batman but for five minutes, but he was a child. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, the, that uh, was the movie of the year last year. Joker? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I like this. Sorry, what were you going to say, though? Uh, I was just going to... I fucking talk so much. I was going to say that I... Oh, yeah. They're going to do the Fresh Prince, but a drama reboot. <laughs> Is that real? That's what they're talking about. Why? No. There's some things that were just... They're good how they are. Right. That's it. We don't need... No more Willy Wonka, please. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did, did you guys see that remake? No. No, thanks. Yeah, me neither. They were going. Aren't they talking about doing another one? Oh no! We don't need that. We get it. (laughs) Dwayne the Rock Johnson says he was considered for Willy Wonka in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh my god! Oh, you should have heard who could who would have been the original one besides Gene Wilder. There were some really dumb ideas. Uh, One was Kurt Russell. Oh no! I think. And then there were a few others that were just like, nope, I'm so glad they went for Gene Wilder instead of some comedians or whatever. They went for a good actor instead. Richard Pryor as Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah. That would have been, been okay. That would have been okay. Yeah. <laughs> what a lonely guy Willy Wonka must have been. Well, yeah, that was the whole, that was the whole thing. That's why it was so weird. Surrounded by Oompa Loompas. Like, I'm sure they weren't great at conversations. He's like, ah, oh, breaking out into song again. Really? Did he need Oompa Loompas? He couldn't have hired, like, a, a mixture of people. They had to just be Oompa Loompas. Yeah, Oompa Loompas. Yeah. Slaves, man. A lot of them are from Eastern Europe, believe it or not. I read about <laughs> this a while ago because I watched the movie and then I went down this rabbit hole after I watched it and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, is there, a, uh, like, a theory as to what Oompa Loompas actually are? Um, oh yeah, there was like a whole, well, well, what do you mean? Like what they, 
what they were in the story. Backstory, like, is there going to be an Oompa Loompa spinoff? Is what I'm saying. Oh, um, no thanks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Are yeah. any Oompa Loompas still alive? I love these people always ask suggestions when you get on Google. <laughs> Are any Oompa Loompas still alive? What does an Oompa Loompa look like? I oh think my god! Or is an image search? <laughs> that must be kids who are who are people are referencing Oompa Loompas, and they haven't seen the movie, so they're like, "Sounds interesting." Hmm. Oompa Loompas were imported. All right. In the early version of the novel, they are shown as African pygmies. <gasps> Following criticism in later editions of the book, <laughs> they are white skinned and golden hair. They're like, "What's the opposite of these African pygmies?" <laughs> <laughs> You gotta, gotta overcorrect. <laughs> Damn. So they're taking like in refugees. Mm. Wow. I'm from Loompa Land, uh, which is a region of Loompa, a small isolated island in the Hangdoodles, you know. I don't know what any of that means. So they were mm. having like a civil war or something in the Hangdoodles? When Mr. Wonka went to Loompa Land and saw the terrible conditions in which the Oompa Loompas were living, he invited them to come and work at his factory to get away from the terrible country they inhabited and the creatures that preyed on them. What brought him to Loompa Land? Probably a promotional thing. I don't know. (laughs) You know what? They uh, considered all six members of Monty Python to be one. Well, you know, pick one of them uh, uh, to be Willy Wonka. I thought that was crazy. I could see that. I mean, that wouldn't be a terrible choice. Peter Sellers, Fred Astaire. That's crazy. Wow. Wasn't Kurt Russell. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> Kurt Russell. How old was he back then? Uh, probably like <laughs> they consider his late, late 20s, <laughs> mid 20s. Yeah, I don't know. Kevin Costner as Willy Wonka. And <laughs> just no charisma at all. Just <laughs> And there's an unexplained baseball scene. <laughs> Kevin Costley. <laughs> yeah. He's... So w- Willy Wonka went to Loompa Land and saved the Oompa Loompas. Sure yes. he did. Yeah, right? And then uh, enslaved them at his own factory. That's uh, it's, it's real. They had benefits. Yeah. Did they? Like, yeah, they health? got full health. Mental, yeah, man, mental's big. <laughs> all the candy they could eat. <laughs> all right? that trauma. One everlasting gobstopper, and he was like, that's what I meant when I said all the candy you could eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a loophole, yep. Yeah. It's a fine loop- print. A loophole, yeah. <laughs> it's in the fine print. They all look like they just ate candy. They didn't have, like, uh, kind of, you know. Jaundice. Oh, in, yeah, ja- jaundice for damn sure. If I ever get Corona, I'm going to be like, I've got the golden ticket. (laughs) (laughs) David already got the golden ticket. Yep. I know. It wasn't very good. You got a tour of a nightmare factory. Would not recommend. No, yeah. My life was a nightmare factory for about a month. Right. Wow. You're strong because all you said when we did our podcast was you got sick. And then that's all. I didn't even ask how it was. You just said it like that and then just moved on like it didn't happen. I was like, this guy is strong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Well, first of all, I had to quarantine. So talk about loneliness. Like I was, it yeah. was in my roommate. And so I did like 30 videos where I just yelled into my computer and then edited them and then posted them because that's how I communicated with the outside world at that point. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it was, it was not great. It was not. And then I, I wrote jokes about it. Like once I wrote just like you were saying, you know, to, to get through the pain, um, once I started, finding the humor in it, 
I started like feeling better. I mean, it was, I was like a month in, so I should have been like starting to feel better at that point anyway. Yeah. But I definitely hit like a snag of, of depression uh, for the last like week or two. I was just down on myself and like thinking a lot about just dark shit and, you know, just being like, I think I just want to die. If this is the rest of my life, I think I just want to die. <laughs> wow. Right. So then, you know, being able to, to find the humor in all of that and, Again, like these are, you know, uh, irrational thoughts coming up, yeah. but finding the funny in that help keep beyond them. So, yeah. So the reason I just kind of sped past it in the, in the podcast is like, it, it, it doesn't, it's not relevant to me anymore. Like, yeah, I stopped kind right. of, I stopped kind of telling the jokes about it on stage anymore. So, well, it became such a part of your life that you probably got bored, bored of talking, bored of it. Yeah. Yeah, people still like ask me about it. I'm like, ah, I mean, it was. It, I wouldn't recommend it. It's serious. Uh, don't don't think it's fake. It's not a hoax. It hurts. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people still don't know that. I know it's crazy. Right. Like my girlfriend's stepmom was like, "Oh, it's not real." And my girlfriend was like, uh, "My boyfriend had it." So, well, he's not real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, Dave, you're my anonymous like example of like I'll tell people I'll be like my friend had 104.5 degree fever as taken by a physician, not inaccurately at home, and it's yeah. like that's serious. That yeah. is, I don't want to experience that at the very least. No, no. I mean that's that's the tip of the iceberg. I felt like I felt like uh, the characters in Get Out once they get like like hypnotized i just felt like i was inside of my like deep inside of my body and had no control over it like i didn't feel like myself wow for yeah. a while even after i felt better i still didn't feel like myself it still felt like i was you know strange like in a stranger's body is weird I'm, I'm lucky too because i mean so many people didn't recover i mean so many people had it worse than me and did recover or like have lingering effects like i get i get tired more easy than i have before now um then I get lightheaded, which was never a thing. You know, I'm just grateful that I'm here having this conversation with you guys and not dead. Right, because um, I learned that, uh, well, I heard that uh, it diminishes your capa- your lung capacity even after uh, you recover, that it has an effect, a lasting effect on your, on your lungs uh, that they don't even really, obviously they don't know about because nobody's had it and then recovered and then we haven't been able to study you know, the, the effects afterwards, but, right. um, people uh-huh. don't consider that. They're like, Oh, I'll have it and get through it. But it's like, yeah, but we don't know what it's going to do to you. Yeah. Yeah. They're uh-huh. finding like cardiovascular issues in people. I'm sure there's an impact on the brain because my, uh, the one, uh, the, the strain or whatever that I got went after my head. Like I had some of the worst headaches for a few weeks and I never get headaches. Like I never mm-hmm. get sick to begin with. So I was super surprised that I even, showed symptoms and i wasn't just like asymptomatic and just giving it to everybody yeah right i'm really surprised so i mean it's probably a good thing that i did show the symptoms because i was like like my my quarantining was like my girlfriend and my roommate and i would go down to my parents every once in a while so i'm glad i didn't do that once so once i started right. showing symptoms I'm like eh. yeah I'm going to stay home. And then I was, yeah, I was here for five weeks and that's before my girlfriend moved in. So that was, uh, man, that was, that was tough. That was tough. Cause I had nobody to really talk to. We did a couple episodes of the podcast 
but yeah, you can't laugh at that. Being able to, yeah, to use, to, to joke about these things, whether it's, you know, being lonely or relationships or COVID or Willy Wonka, like if, if Willy Wonka was traumatic for you as a child, yeah, um, it helps, it, it can help other people. Like that's that when I, when I write jokes about dark things, like the result that I want is to help you as an audience member, um, be able to experience something like that and not have to go through the same pain that I did. You know, I want you to be able to think back to this and laugh, you know, but my experience with it and realize that like you're, we're all bigger than this thing, whatever it is. It's the best when somebody comes up afterwards, like, thank you so much for making that one joke about that one thing because it's been bugging me and now it feels like it doesn't bug me as much as it did. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, holy shit, a tweet that I made high on the toilet saved yeah. this person's from pain, emotional pain. It's crazy. But we have the power. People try to act like, oh, we're just this dick joke artists that just are irrelevant. And bleh. if you really are doing true comedy to your pain and trying to get over pain, you're, you're, you're helping other people. A hundred percent. It brings, uh, just a perspective, just, just, you know, when you're, when you're depressed or sad or, or angry, you know, that's all you see are reasons to be those things. Right. And, uh, that's what a good joke or a good, like a uh, bit will do. It'll, it'll give you that jolt that shows yes. that there's more to it than just that one way of looking at it. Right. Yeah, there's also, I mean, people write Holocaust jokes, and some of them are funny. They're yeah, they're probably most mostly it's not a funny topic. But if you can write a, a funny Holocaust joke, there is somebody who is going to be relieved. Like, thank you for, thank you for that. Somebody who who knows. I mean, everything can be made fun of. Right. Yeah, humor is a is a powerful tool when it comes to providing relief, not only to the teller but to listener. You know, if you allow it, that's like my why behind comedy. This podcast, like you know, I mean, we we've taken all kinds of topics and just been able to laugh at them and like prove that there are ways to find funny in things. And you know, if you know, if you're feeling lonely, there's something there that you can use. It's a coping mechanism. Yeah, I think Twitter is a bunch of lonely people. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone not lonely is on Twitter. Dude, the, that's why the president tweets so much. Yeah, that sounds about right. Surrounded I, bet, by- I bet he's very lonely. I bet he's very lonely. A hundred percent. Oh, yeah. How many, have friends. He, how many people has he like lost in his life because of what he does? But the thing with him is he he isn't able to laugh at himself. No. I don't know if he's ever had anyone in his life. Like who are his who are his friends? You know, right. Cohen Cohen did a foreword and he published it on his website or like a pre-foreword, like a like a preemptive foreword for his book. Mm-hmm. And he was just talking about how like this guy just does not actually have any real friends because he was in the middle of like his little circle there for the better part of a decade and. He, uh, yeah, he's just a act genuinely like lonely person because there's no one he's really truly bonded with. Nobody wants to spend time around somebody who can't admit when they're wrong or can't laugh at themselves. Right. Mm. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't connect with that kind of person. 
You crossed the line. Antonio, uh, any last words on uh, any last words? Uh, any last words on loneliness and uh, or you know anything that you want to share with our audience on the top? Um, well, I uh, I'm finally uploading our podcast uh, to my to iTunes and everything. I, I have a like s- seven episodes of this live show I was doing in spite of a radio show I didn't that I quit, but now it's a podcast. <laughs> Live from Sunnyside. Uh, it'll be on iTunes soon. It's on Spotify already. Um, so check that out. I got another podcast with uh, Grace Kirk, who's a very funny Houston comic. It's called Take a Break from Porn. I'm on another podcast called uh, <laughs> Los Lonely Boys that we do once a week. So I'm just a podcaster now. Stand-up is a thing of the past. Podcast is the future. Got to adapt to the times, man. Yeah. If you can't adapt, you're not a very good comic. <laughs> That's right. right. Got to be a little, yeah. Um, cool. So, thanks for joining us. Where, where are you on social media? Oh, at alpacapone, antoniocomedy.com. I'll follow you back. Yeah, and he travels the country once once we get things back up and running again. Uh, oh, I'm I'm staying uh, I'm staying put. I think I think yeah. that uh, yeah, I'm I'm living in Houston. I think okay. I don't think that uh, yeah yeah yeah. We'll talk about that next time. Cool, man. Heck yeah. All right. Well, Watch thanks it. for uh, thanks for jumping on, man. This has been this has been insightful. I had fun. I had fun, yeah, guys. For sure. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm, absolutely, man. And uh, just as a reminder to all of you, all of you listeners out there, uh, that no matter how dark or depressing or negative a topic can be, Steve, you can't laugh at that. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, you, 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 can, you can laugh at it. You, you can. Yeah, find the funny. It's there. So, all right, that's it. Special thanks to Gold Knox Studio. You can find Gold Knox Studio for all your podcasting needs at goldenoxstudio.com. Uh, hit up Jeremy. He is fantastic to work with. A professional. Uh, he makes podcasting easy. And uh, if you're if you been kicking the tires on starting your own podcast definitely give gold knox studio a look if you'd like to weigh in on today's topic follow us on twitter at you can't laugh pod or like us on facebook at you can't laugh at that and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't this is all about the conversation is what i'm saying all right bye you can't laugh at that